once again, I want to thank the people in Twin Falls for receiving us yesterday. We had a, a precious time in the Word of God, and I pray that that time will grow, grow greatly, and uh, we'll see some wonderful testimonies come forth because of that, of that time together in the Word of God and, and partaking with one another in the, uh, the communion of the Lord. Um, I can't think of, and even here, the preciousness that God has given to us to celebrate uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ every time we gather together. Amen? So even the things that we have already discussed this morning when it comes to judgment, when it comes to how the lie works within, are we not fellowshipping the body of the Lord in those things? And the answer, of course, is always yes. So I want to bring you to a scripture this morning in uh, chapter 1 of First Peter. First Peter, chapter 1. And I'm going to start with verse 2. And it says this, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. So God's always had a plan, a purpose. God has always known who he is, and what he is doing. Anybody say that that's not true? (laughs) God has always known who he is, and God has always known what he's going to do or what he is doing. It's an an amazing thing to me how we get so confused or lost in ourselves that we think that we can help God understand who he is. That's an amazing thing to me. Likewise, when we pray then, we pray thinking that we're going to help God uh, reveal himself to himself. That's, that's an amazing confusion in my mind. And I'm guilty of it myself. I have, in years past, I mean, in Pentecost or at the, in the assemblies churches, uh, that, was a, that was a weekly deal. You were going to help God understand God. And what a backwards way of worshiping the Lord. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So every time we share the word of God, is not the blood of Jesus Christ being added or sprinkled or covered unto you is it not being given unto you and the answer of course is yes every time the word of god goes forth it is to sprinkle or cover you with the blood of jesus and in the covering of the blood of jesus christ then what happens to your consciousness your your consciousness becomes cleansed or your mind becomes opened to hear the word of god so every time the word of god goes forth then your mind is being opened or cleansed by the power of the blood so that you can hear the word of God. So I want to turn with me and hold your place there, and I'm going to come back to uh, John, the 17th chapter, for a moment, because there's some things in that prayer that Jesus made that I believe are very powerful, and they are ordained. They were ordained from the beginning to be said. Uh, I'm going to start with the sixth verse of the 17th chapter of the book of John. I have manifested your name unto men which with under the men which you gave me out of the world. They were yours, 
and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, do you know that every, so Jesus, remember, Jesus told the disciples that man shall not live, or man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's very important for us to always be in the remembrance that the word that we have in us is the very word that God made Jesus to be. So Jesus was formed. How was Jesus formed? Does anybody know? God spoke. He was formed by the word of God. God himself is his word. So John started out his whole gospel that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. That's how John started out the text of his gospel message, knowing that God is the word. And so when Jesus came forth out of the Father, who was Jesus? He was the Word of God. So in, in Revelation 19, I'm just going to turn to it. Don't I'll just turn to it and read it to you. Because it's, it's very important to me that we always grip the context from which the Lord is speaking to us. Because he's always addressing the testimony of himself in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's not talking to you about who you are in the flesh in this in this plane, in the physical earth. He's not he's never addressing that. God only knows you from the basis of what he created you to be from the beginning. And you are the same. You were created in the image of God. You were created as the word of God. And so it is it, in John, the 19th chapter. The angel of the Lord appears to John, and John sees the angel and, and wants to worship the angel, and, and the angel says, no, don't do it. Worship God and him only, correct? So it goes, then it goes on to say this, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon, sat upon him called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So now John sees Jesus Christ. And his name is called Faithful and True. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. So who knows the name of God but God? And the only way you're going to know the name of God is when the Father gives it to you. You're not going to know it before then. And he, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. So I can tell you today that the name of Jesus is the Word of God. That's His name. So when I, when I apply the name of Jesus, am I not applying the Word of God or the blood of Jesus Christ to everyone whom I speak? And the answer to that is yes, emphatically yes. So that in the name of Jesus... The blood of Jesus Christ is evoked, invoked to cover a multitude of sins and open the mind to hear the word of God, to hear the testimony of Jesus Christ. Wow. A lot of times we can't, we never put it in the context of which it is given for us to receive it. I have manifested your name. See, I already, I, I'm going to go... The, so now we're keepers of the word of God. It becomes our treasure. So in the Old Testament, Israel were the keepers of what? 
Did they not have the oracles of God in which the law was given? Was it not written in those oracles and they were the keepers of it? But where did they keep it? Did they keep it in their heart or did they keep it in, a, in an ark um, locked away? They kept it in an ark locked away. So this oracle that you are, have called the Word of God, where is it, where's it at? Where is it written? It's written on the heart. It becomes you. It's who you are, and it's who you have always been from the beginning. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me come from you. So whatever I have came from God, and I have given it to them so that they are beginning to understand that whatever they have came from God also. How many of you are beginning to allow the consciousness, your consciousness, to begin to know and understand that everything that, that Jesus is and everything that Jesus has given you is to make you like Jesus. That's why, that's why it's been given. To make you like Jesus. To make you born again. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me. What did Jesus give us? The words that God gave him. So, the words that God gave Jesus, when were they given to Jesus? From the foundation of the world. When Jesus was sent, did he, was he sent as the word of God, the fullness of the Father? Did he not bear the image in the flesh of who God is? That's who he is. So now, the word that he gives to you, does it not birth in the consciousness of you the image of God? And the answer to that, of course, is yes, it does. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out of God, and they have believed that you did send me. Now there's a pattern here, because as God spoke it to his, as Jesus spoke it to his disciples, which became apostles, isn't the pattern the foreordained will of God that has been chosen from the foundation of the world for all them who believe? And the answer, of course, is yes. This is the pattern that God has foreordained for us all. And it has always been. And it always brings forth the testimony of Jesus Christ. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them that you gave me, for they are thine. And all mine are yours, and all of yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. So now, the word, that Je- the word that the Father gave unto Jesus, Jesus became that word, and he made it manifest to us, so that we likewise could become that word. So now the image of God is born where? In you. So now by revelation and prophecy, the prophecy can come forth and say that you're the Son of God. Because the word that the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus has given to us, that we might bear the image of the Father in flesh. Wow. Not in physical body form. It's in the mind. The mind of flesh. Not in the body of flesh. Is everybody with me? So now let me come back to Peter. Okay. 
Any questions about that? That was a lot to say. And I could probably end the whole thing with that. But that was to set the context for what Peter's about to tell you. Very important. First, P- or First Peter chapter 1. And starting with verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So, the foreknowledge of God the Father was what? That Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And that Word that He put in Jesus, Jesus was sent to deliver it unto whom? Unto you. Beautiful thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, now listen, has begotten us again unto a lively hope. There's that word that can drive you nuts again. So that when you begin to define the again, where were you first born, John? Where were you, where were you first known of God? In the beginning, in Christ. That's where you were first known of the Father. So it can be said this way then. You had a conversation with the Father before. And when you were born into sin and death, what happened to that conversation? It was forgot. And how many times has that happened to you? Well, there are things in that that we still have to learn. But we're learning them. It's interesting. When you speak, when you begin to speak spiritually, even to Christian people that haven't, uh, haven't known the truth or haven't seen the seen Christ and you begin to speak the revelation of Jesus Christ to them all of a sudden in their mind there's certain triggers that go off it's like well how did how do they know that where did that come from I don't see that in the word of God and immediately we begin to judge who what do no we're beginning to judge God we're beginning to judge the word of God because all of a sudden here's the word of God that was Jesus Christ in fullness And Jesus is now giving us that word in revelation of you or in revelation of himself. Of himself. And so as the word comes and begins to make known unto us the mysteries of God, all of a sudden we begin to question God at his own word. That blows my mind. Not that we we judge it wrong. Is that we haven't come to the place where we can receive that the word of God is the Word of God, and it's not according to our thought. It's according to God's thought. And I believe it's in Isaiah, the 55th chapter, that God began to address that very thing. So even in the prophets of old, we would say, God began to direct our minds into the completeness that is in His Son, Jesus. And He would even have the prophets of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah all of them begin to testify of Jesus Christ. Yet, do we see the name Jesus in the Old Testament anywhere? But is it there? Yeah, because when the prophet received it, what did he say would come to him? The Word of God. The Word of the Lord came to me and said. It's just like when uh, Balaam tried to testify against Jesus Christ, correct? 
So the word of the Lord shows up. And where did it show up? Who spoke to Balaam to turn his mind? The ass did. You know, to us, it's like, well, that's kind of funny. But it's not funny. Because in perception, listen, we lose with God because we will not, we will not allow the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that is in the Word of God to sanctify the mind, open the mind, to receive the understanding that's in that Word. We think that we are capable of interpreting the Word of God ourselves. I have a mind and I can do this myself. Unfortunately, what's in your mind that causes you not to be able to do it for yourself? Yeah, evil, wicked spirits. How about sin? Sin is there. How about iniquity? Is it there? Yeah. And, and then we can say, of course it's there because Satan is there. So these things become inevitable for everyone who hears the word of God. So I wanted to make sure that what we said this morning, I prefaced it with you knowing that every word of God has the blood of Jesus Christ applied to it. So that when it comes to you, it comes to sanctify your mind. How else can you sanctify the Lord? So it's been like 12, 13 years ago that the word of the Lord came to Pastor Dan in Chicago. And that word was to do what? Sanctify the Lord. If you do not believe that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God has the blood of Jesus Christ applied to it so that when it comes to you, it begins to sanctify your mind, open your mind to hear that word that God has sent, what are you going to do with that word of God? You're going to defile it. You're going to kill it. Because you think that you can interpret it for yourself. Now we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, when we put it in context, that there are those amongst us that are what? What, what do they have? They are the ministers of Christ, servants of God. And what do they have? They're the stewards of the mysteries. In other words, they have wisdom and understanding by the Holy Ghost into the mysteries of God so that when they speak the word of God to you, what becomes known? The power of that word called Jesus Christ. I, I think it was Wednesday night. I talked about a woman that was following the, the crowds that were around Jesus wherever he went, right? And that woman believed that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, what would happen to her? She would be healed. She knew it. And so she pressed through the crowd because she was determined that if she could just touch the Christ, she would be healed. And when she reached up and touched the hem of his garment. Now, I don't believe she grabbed it. I believe that she just was able to touch it. And the moment that she touched it, what happened to her? 
she was cleansed of her issue of blood. More importantly, more importantly, because faith was resident in her in order to do it. As soon as that righteousness of God rushed out of him and into her, what did the blood of Jesus Christ do to her mind? It sanctified her and made her every bit whole. That is what it will do to you also. Did Jesus know that that woman had touched, that someone had touched him? Yes, because the virtue ran out of him and he knew it. Faith had made it possible. It's the same for each and every one of us. So Peter, I mean, Peter's writing this epistle and he saw all these things take place in Jesus Christ, didn't he not? It's interesting that Peter didn't write a gospel, but he wrote two epistles. I believe he wrote a gospel too. I believe it was in him. It was written in him because he's apostolic. How do you be apostolic and not have a gospel written in your heart? It's not possible. It's just not possible. Because who's the gospel of? Peter or Jesus Christ? It's of Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is what Peter knows. Because Peter followed on to know the Lord, didn't he not? Did Peter see Jesus Christ die on the cross? Did Peter deny the Lord three times? In fact, did Peter tell Jesus he didn't have to die? Did even after... The resurrection, did Peter tell the Lord, tell Jesus that he never ate any unclean thing? <laughs> Three times. This is the mindset of Peter. And yet, God gave Peter an expression in the testimony of Jesus Christ where Peter begins to write about being born again. And in being born again, you come into a lively hope, understanding that the Word of God is the Word of God, and it has the power to sanctify the mind and open the mind unto life itself, and that life is in Jesus Christ. That's a very powerful thing that God gives us an opportunity and enjoy that we can rejoice with Him in the Gospel. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, every work of the Word of God and the power of sanctifying you, does it overcome sin? Every work of it. It overcomes sin. So that when, then when you are presented to the Father, how many sins do you have? None. You know, it's funny, in, in Christianity, when I was a kid, it was always presented this way. When I stand before God, I'm going to be judged of all my sins. And I have to give an account of every sin I ever committed. Glory be to God for the sanctifying power of Jesus Christ. So when I stand before the Lord, I don't have to say anything. Didn't we just read that about being judged? I would rather have my mind 
sanctified by the word of God, by the blood of the Lamb, and say nothing, knowing that it had the power to overcome every sin and give me an an inheritance that made me free from sin, undefiled, incorruptible, reserved in heaven for me. So in the 14th chapter of the book of John, Jesus tells the disciples, right, if you, if you believe God, believe, believe also in me, for I'm going to go and make a place for you. Did Jesus Christ go and make a place for each and every one of us, a place reserved for us in heaven? That is, that when we turn to Jesus Christ and we allow his blood to open up our minds, sanctify our minds, and enter into the kingdom of heaven, that there is no sin, no iniquity, that there is only Jesus there to receive us and make himself known in us. I love the Lord for that. In closing, I'm going to skip clear over to verse 22. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. So how are we to love one another? With a pure heart. How, do you, how does the heart become pure, John? By, yeah, but what in the Word of God is doing it? Huh? The blood of Jesus Christ is there. It's been activated. It's been made alive. It's a lively hope for you. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Glory be to God. Amen. So this Jesus, this word of God that causes us to be born again, recreated in the image of God, we must begin to believe that it has that power over, over all flesh that we might become who God says we are. Amen? He has given us, He has made the opportunity for us, and He freely gives it to us. How many times have we thought that we have to go out and do something to um, have the work of Jesus applied to our lives? i got to go do something. i got to go pray. i got to go talk to somebody about Jesus. Or i got to... I got to make offerings, right? I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to make this sacrifice. All this stuff, we lay it out on the table. And I'll tell you this that without believing that the Word of God is the sanctifier of every thought through Jesus Christ, none of that stuff will make any difference in your life. None of it. But when you see it for what it is as the blood of Jesus Christ and it sanctifies your body, soul, and spirit, sanctifies your mind, all of it becomes the necessity of the Word of God. Now, how would you rather have it? Something you're doing on your own or because it's the necessity of the Word of God through the sanctification of of Jesus Christ through the Spirit. That's powerful. 
Well, thank you all for listening today. I hope you have received something in your minds today when it comes to the power of the Word of God and, uh, and the power that it has to th- sanctify every thought, every sin, and make it whole before God. Amen? Amen. God bless you today.